Well, today I get the privilege uh, to introduce our guest speaker. Uh, she is a longtime friend of mine. Uh, having grown up in this church, she is no stranger to Timber Creek. Uh, we've worked together for seven years. Last year, Melissa uh, said, I, f- I feel like God is, is calling me to something different. And uh, after having been our worship pastor for several years, uh, she stepped down to pursue this new calling on her life of really uh, what has turned out to be kind of a social media missionary. And uh, really using uh, uh, fun and regular day things and the issues of life uh, to speak hope into people's lives, in particular women of all ages uh, and all walks of life. Uh, She is... Uh, an incredible friend. Uh, we have gone on vacations together. Yes, with our families, not together. That would be a little weird. Um, although she's begged me for her to go. Uh, we, we've had a, a great time. Uh, we, we have laughed together. We've cried together. We have, I mean, fought like cats and dogs in a back alley of India. Okay. Like I'm talking about fought, uh, but she's a bud. And I feel like she's got uh, an encouraging word uh, to everybody out there, uh, every person in the room, male, female, moms, women, people that, that need hope. She's got, a great, uh, she's got a great story to tell and, and, and a great message to share. Uh, she is um, a, a, a woman who uh, is, a, is, is a deep, deep friend. And uh, you are going to laugh. I hope you are encouraged. I hope I still have a job uh, after she talks, because you know how she is. Everybody, would you give a great welcome to Melissa Racky? By the way, he said she's a bud, but I saw several of y'all go, because you thought he said she's a butt, which he has said before, but just to clarify, he said she's a bud, so... Y'all, I'm so happy to be here. I need to know where my mom mom and dad are, or if they even came. Did they even come? Oh, they did. Where's my mother? Why? There wasn't enough seats. Dad, this is very awkward. How am I going to make fun of y'all when you're both away from each other in the room? Y'all, I'm so glad that y'all are here, but it's a little bit weird talking to people that I know or that I like worship with. I'm used to seeing people that I've never seen before. I'm like, I can say whatever I want. I'm never going to be in that town again. (laughs) But here I'm going to be going to the grocery store with you. So anyway, really happy to be here this morning. Happy Mother's Day to all of the mothers in the room. I woke up this morning to a lovely Mother's Day card. It was 100% in Spanish. That's what they do. They do not take anything sacred in my house. The entire card was in Spanish. No clue what it says. But there are flowers and butterflies on it, so I'm looking up. It's probably good. Well, for those of you guys who don't know me, I'm going to go back and, and kind of share some stories with you. But before I do, let me ask this question. Has anyone, is anybody in here in the room currently going to turn 40 this year? You're turning 40 this year. Hands? Okay. Women turning 40. Women? Any women turning? Oh, you're raising our hand for her. That's lovely. Okay. <laughs> Back here, you turning 40? Okay, we've got some guys turning 40. You're tur- you, are you turning 40 or not? I'd, are you, okay, well, I didn't want to call you out, but it was looking kind of iffy there for a second, but <laughs> I'm teasing you. Okay, anybody else? Several over here. Okay, great. That's wonderful. 40's awesome. You're going to enjoy it. It's like being part of a secret, um, like a secret, like a sorority of sorts that you never knew that you always wanted to join. <laughs> like, for instance, when you're 40 and um, you, you know, you pee when you laugh, people go, that's totally normal. She's 40. <laughs> um, also, I, on occasion, will forget to pick up my kids from school and then they just go oh Melissa's in her 40s so you see how it all works out it really it really does all work out my 40th birthday was amazing because my family and my friends 
threw me a flash mob birthday party at a crawfish restaurant because I am nothing if not fancy. So they threw me a flash, like they literally all pulled up honking. I think that was your idea. Very good idea. They all pulled up honking. Yes, it was. And laying out red and white check tablecloths and flowers on the table and a DJ set up in the corner. And um, just so we could stare at him because we're assemblies of God and we don't do that. But it was wonderful. <laughs> we had a great, great, great time. 41, I'm thawing out my own pot roast, cooking my own food. Nobody calls you when you're turning 41, okay? They don't forget about you. 41 is completely different. 41, you want to dig a hole in your backyard and bury yourself in it. You might get a shout out on Facebook, but that's about all that's going to happen at 41. So enjoy 40 this year, ladies. Enjoy it. It's going to be wonderful. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about something that happened to my 41st birthday, but I got to go back first. So I wanted to start off with this story, but actually I kind of, I shared a little bit of it, just pieces of it a couple of years ago, actually, when I spoke for Mother's Day. So it might be familiar to some of you, but I, as I was thinking about it, it shouldn't really matter because we hear the same stories, you know, a lot sometimes, um, also here at Timber Creek. So sometimes you hear the same story repeatedly, like over and over. And so you laugh, even though maybe you have heard it before. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, the story about your grandmother's teacup. We've never heard that. It's so wonderful. They are laughing that hard because we've heard it. So anyway, let me get started. When I was growing up, I wanted nothing more than to be a cheerleader. Like, seriously, any cheerleaders in the room? Not present day. If you were a present day cheerleader, you're like, also, I'm turning 40 and I'm a cheerleader. No. <laughs> Something's wrong there. Where are my past cheerleaders at? Where are my past cheerleaders? Oh, I knew you were. I knew you were with your cute smile. Okay. So we got some cheerleaders. This is not to dog you. I wanted to be a part of what you were doing. I wanted to be you. From the age of seven to about 17, I dressed up for Halloween every year like a cheerleader. Okay? That is adorable when you are seven. It is pathetic when you are 17. <laughs> Let me say something. People are like, Melissa, are you, are you a cheerleader? I'm like, no, not yet. And I'm 17. And <laughs> it's less bring it on and more like carry. Like, eh, eh. So... I had one cheerleading outfit from my cousin Randy Jean. She let me borrow it every year. My mother would take it to the cleaners, and Lottie would say, oh, we take out for you. And she would say, yes, she'd take it out. <laughs> Melissa's still growing. <laughs> so she would take it out. But I will tell you the truth. I had the kind of parents that they were like pre-American Idol days. My parents were. Like they, there was not going to be any going and trying out for a show, and you're terrible at it. Like Jean and Annette. They would straight tell you. Like, do you know what I'm talking about? The American Idol kid? Like, did anyone love William Hung? Did anybody love him? Because Annette would have straight told William Hung to sit down. So I said, I'm going to try out for cheerleader. And my mother said, no, you're absolutely not. You're not going to. I said, I am. I've got it. I can do this. She said, um, no. I said, mother, have you seen me dance? She said, I've seen you try. Have you seen me turn the first part of a cartwheel? I saw you broke my ottoman. You owe me $65. <laughs> I said, Mom, I can do this. She said, Baby, I want, I want you to sit down. I'm going to tell you this. You can't dance. You have absolutely no rhythm. Okay? You can't turn a cartwheel. Your friends are flip-flopping all over the place, and you can barely do a cartwheel. And honey, when you jump, you don't even get up off of the ground. <laughs> You're not doing this. I said, Mother, I'm going to do it. And I went and I tried out for cheerleader three times. And I made it none of those times. <laughs> the first time I tried out for cheerleader, I took off on a cartwheel so fast that today, gymnasiums around the United States have mats at both ends of the gymnasium because your girl took off and couldn't stop, hit it face first, and couldn't smell anything for six weeks. 
So if your son's ever playing basketball or your daughter and they run up into it and they don't get hurt, think of me. <laughs> You're welcome. The third time I tried out for cheerleader, um, fell down, busted a crown out of my mouth, and a judge had to hold it for me the entire time I auditioned. I don't know what happened the second time. I cannot remember it to save my life, but my therapist says that happens in trauma, so we're, we're working. <laughs> we're gonna figure that out together. <laughs> but on Mother's Day, it's only fair that I tell you that I came home to my mama, and I curled up in her arms, and she looked at me and she said, I told you this would happen. I told you it would happen. Now sit down, I'm gonna make you some chicken strips, because that's what we did in my family. When we were hurting, we made chicken strips. <laughs> Meredith says it's the very reason why I try to do a toe touch today every time I get chicken strips. <laughs> that's, that's how badly I wanted to be a cheerleader. And when I graduated from high school, though I was a girl that liked to have a lot of fun, the guys would not call me to go on a date as much as they would call me to wrap a house or perhaps steal a dog, which I did one time and I felt terrible about ever since. I was a great time. I was also what you would call a lovable loser. And when I graduated from high school and I turned that tassel over to the other side of that hat, I was ready to get out of there because I couldn't make the squad and I couldn't get the date. I was a lot of fun. That was just about it. And I went to college. Guess where else they have cheerleaders? <laughs> uh, let me tell you something. You think it's hard sitting in sophomore English with a cheerleader, you try sharing a communal bathroom with her, like the same shower area, okay? And they've got that little J.C. Penny towel that's wrapped around them one time and tucked in, and the only towel I can use is the one my dad bought at Panama City that says, I've got crabs. It was awesome. <laughs> oh, it was great. It's wonderful. I was on the same hall with several cheerleaders, but I actually became really good friends with, there's a guy at my college I became really, really good friends with. He and I hung out a lot. We had a lot of fun together, and we decided we were gonna fix each other up with some friends, okay? I am currently still waiting on him to fix me up with someone. He never followed through, but I did fix him up with the head cheerleader who lived two doors down in my dorm. And they began going out, and this broke my heart a little bit, because although I was not necessarily interested in him at the time, I will just tell you that he always paid, and I always was broke, so it worked out really nicely. <laughs> but I fixed him up with her, and when she would go home on the weekends and visit her family, he and I would hang out. We always had a fun time. So a couple of weeks before we got out for Christmas break, she went home to see her family, and he said, hey, you want to go hang out? We'll go to the mall. We'll do some shopping. I said, yeah, that'd be great. So after my last class on Friday, I ran back to my room to change into my orthotic mall walking tennis shoes because I was a stud, and I did that, and I was so excited, but when I opened up my door to walk in, there sat in my room the entire cheerleading squad waiting on me. I looked at them and I literally thought, they need me. <laughs> oh my God, this is happening. This is happening. I would show y'all some other stretches I would do, but I, it's, it's later in my life, I'm not able to do that. I was ready for it, I was ready to kill it, okay? I said, hi ladies, what are y'all doing here today? And right in the middle of them, Sat Shanene. That was, that's rude. That was not her name. It's what I called her behind her back and she hated it. So <laughs> Shanene sat right in the middle. I said, I thought you were going out of town to be with your parents this weekend. She said, oh, I, I, yeah, I was. My plans changed. So I'm here. I'm going to stay here this weekend. I said, oh, well, does he know? Because you can, you can totally go out, go out with him. We weren't doing anything special. No, 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 no. You go, Melissa. You go out with him. He just thinks of you like a little brother, so you go. I said, all right. Okay, I will. She said, but I do have one request, okay? I said, sure. I'm doing Janet's running voice that Pastor Jeremy does for you. Okay? 
She said, I want you to record him talking about me. Now, children, listen to me. Back in the day, we had something called the Sony Walkman. You've never heard of it, but we're all praying God brings it back. And I said, so let me get this straight. You want me to take a Sony Walkman and record essentially my best friend talking about you and play it back for you? She said, yeah. And I said, sign me up. I love a good caper. This is going to be awesome. I took that recorder and I put it in the top of my fake Dooney and Burke purse and I zipped it up halfway and I left. We got in the car. We were driving into the Dallas Galleria area and I began talking about her. This is what I said. So how's that going? Y'all, y'all still hanging out? You like her? Where's that headed? And here's what he said about her. She's okay, but have you seen her car? Her car is awesome. It is hot. I'm not kidding you. Like, she lets me drive that car. It goes like zero to 90 in no time flat. That's why I'm dating her. I know you wanted to fix this up, but whatever, man. I don't care a hoot about her. It's the car. That car is awesome. And I'm just hearing in my purse. Usually, he and I would go eat at a place called Checkers. They don't have them in Lufkin, but do y'all know what a Checkers is? I know, don't ever look down at their food. Just eat it. Don't look at it. Just eat it. Oh, it's wonderful. Just never, ever look down. He did not take me to checkers. And this is the part of the story that I feel like is going to make y'all intimidated and you feel like I'm not going to be relatable because you're going to feel like I'm a class above y'all. I'm not. I want to remain completely relatable to y'all. But he took me to a restaurant (laughs) called Macaroni Grill. I know, seriously, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's very, very fancy. So he took me to Macaroni Grill, and they brought us the bread, right? They set the bread on the table, and we were enjoying ourselves. And then he says this, Melissa, I have to tell you something. I said, okay. He says, whenever I go to bed at night, you're the very last person I think about. And when I wake up in the morning, you're the first person on my mind. If anything good happens, I, I want to tell you. And if anything bad happens, like, you always make me laugh. I think I am supposed to be your friend, but I am in love with you. And I cannot imagine ever being with anybody else. And I just was wondering since we're here tonight and I'm, I'm in this five-star restaurant, <laughs> if this could be like, you know, maybe our first date. And I had my purse sitting there on the table recording all of this (laughs) and I knew I needed to take a minute so I said okay could you just give me one second please okay hold on one second I took my purse and I walked off and as I was walking off from the table I thought about every prom my school ever had that I was never once invited to go to I thought about every graduation and homecoming game that uh, I was asked to sing the national anthem at, but I left right after because I was never anyone's date. I thought about all of those things. And I thought about this moment and this man telling me this, and I knew what I had to do. So I walked back over to the table and I looked him in the eye and I said, are you gonna eat this bread? No, okay, great, thank you. And then I took that bread to the bathroom and I ate that bread because carbs are our friends. And if you go away with anything today, Go away with the fact that carbs are your friends. Thank y'all, it's been great. No, I'm just kidding. I put that bread right in my mouth, picked up that recorder, and I said, I am very sorry. I cannot keep doing this. I gotta go. And I hit stop. And I went back to the table, and I do, honestly, I have tried to rack my brain. I don't remember much of the rest of our night. I just know that on our way back to the university, he asked permission to hold my hand. And then I got there, and I walked into my room. And there sat the entire cheerleading squad. But this time, at the very end of the row was my best friend from college named Casey. Casey was a lot like me. Casey was fluffy like me. And there she sat at the very end. And as I scanned the room of all the beautiful cheerleaders, my eyes landed on Casey and Casey went like this. 
I said, well, good evening, ladies. It's so good to have you all here tonight. Shanae said, put in the tape. I said, we'll do. We'll do that. Uh, Casey, could I see you outside for just a sec? Casey got up and she followed me outside. We shut the door and I turned around and I said, Casey, I have got to tell you something very, very important, but you need to understand that they asked me to tape them and I didn't want to tape. But right, but then he started talking and he told me that he loved me. Didn't. And when I was finished talking, Casey looked me in the eye and she said, you had chicken parmesan. <laughs> I said, Casey, not now. It's not important right now. That is not important. But just admit, you did have it. I said, I did, I did have it. You can always call it Casey. That's not the point. The point is, they want me to play this tape. And he told me he loves me. Like, he's in love with me, and I don't know what to do. So, you're going to go play that tape for them? I said, that's what I'm asking you. She said, no, no, no. I'm, I'm saying, you're going to go play that tape for them. You're going to play that tape for every chubby girl that never made the cheerleading squad. You're going to play that tape for every fluffy girl that sat home on homecoming night that never got asked to her prom. You're going to play that tape. I said, you never got asked to your prom? She said, no, you never got asked to your prom. I was like, that's right. And I went inside and I pressed play. When they had heard every bit of the tape, I kid you not, they stood up in the most beautiful formation I had ever seen. Their whole bodies at once were just like. And when they walked out, it was like, it was, oh God, it was so beautiful that I actually stood up and walked out with them. And Casey had to stop me and say, no, you're not one. You're not one. And somewhere in Houston, a little bitty tiny baby Beyonce was like, come on, girls, let's get in formation. It was the most powerful moment I've ever seen. <laughs> I could hear her down the hall screaming into the phone at him. About 10 minutes later, and I heard, Melissa, you have a guest in the lobby. Melissa, you have a guest in the lobby. I walked down and there he stood. He looked at me and the only words he said were, get the tape. I got the tape. He took it out to his car and he placed it behind the driver's side front tire. He got in his car and he backed over it, drove over it, backed over it, drove over it. And then we made out. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh my God, we made out so much. Kids, I know, I know. We made out so much that I actually called my mother and told her everything, and she said, please lose my number. Don't ever call me again. <laughs> but you have to understand, that, that, was, that, was, that was the first time that anything like that had ever happened to me. And I'm telling you, that's the perfect story of how the good girl gets the guy. Because I've been married to him for 23 years. <laughs> And 17 of them have been awesome. <laughs> After David and I got married, we decided we would move to Nashville. We'd be in the music business. Move to Nashville, they said. It'll be fun, they said. All your dreams will come true, they said. I hate them. Nashville is a little bit of a different place. We lived there for 16 years. I was a session singer for 16 years with some country artists that you know and love today. Some of your favorite Christian artists, I sang on their albums or their CDs. I sang with them in the studio. But Nashville, like high school and college, they like girls that can get in formation. They like women that look a lot like everybody else. And when one comes in that doesn't wear the same size or worship the same way, that thinks outside of the box, they call her too loud, too big, too much. That's what living in Nashville was like for me. For instance, one particular day I had finished a session with a country artist and all of us girls left the, we were leaving the, leaving the building and 
The producer stopped me and he said, hey, Mel, we have one more line. Could I get you to go in there and cut it? I said, sure. So I walked back into the studio, put my headphones on, sang the same line about 12 times, which is what you have to do. And when I was done singing, I walked out and here's what he said. Dang, girl, it's a shame you can sing like that because people just don't buy ugly. And I got my purse and I left. But that was okay. That was okay. I was still going to get them to notice me. Even at Belmont University, my senior year, when a teacher said in front of the entire class, the only person that can make it in this town is Melissa Radke, but she never will because nobody will ever give her the time of day. That's okay. I was still going to sing and I was still going to make them proud of me. I was still going to get them to notice me. And it was around this time that these television talent competitions started coming on. And there was one being offered on a little known network called VH1. <laughs> I am showing my age. Kids, that's a, that's a music station. I don't even know if they have it anymore. But they had this show on VH1. Did y'all ever hear of it called Divas Live? Anybody? Anybody? Really? All three people? Great. And I went and I auditioned for Divas Live. In the room were about this many women around my age singing everything from my heart will go on to my heart will go on. <laughs> and right in the middle sat three judges behind a table. They never stood. They never said thank you. They never said anything. They never looked at you. You didn't even know if you were going on to the next level until you walked over and got your little ticket. But I got up to sing and I put the mic on the stand took a deep breath, and sang. He's leaving on that midnight train to Georgia. Said he's going back to find, oh, a simpler place in time. And I'll be with him on that midnight train to Georgia. Because I'd rather live in his world than live without him in mine. And when I finished, the judge in the middle stood up, walked up to the stage where I was, smiled at me, looked out at every woman there and said, you want to be on my show? You better sing like this, but you better not look like this. Next. He went and sat down. I got in my car and I drove home. I crawled in my bed, I didn't listen to music, I didn't sing. I could not erase what was being etched on my skin at that time in my life. Better not look like this. People just don't buy ugly. Dreamer, too big, too loud, too much. And I wonder if there are women in this room, young girls in this room who are etching things on your skin, you're not choosing your own tattoo. I went to a bridal shower just a few weeks ago and my girlfriend's daughter had gone off to college and had come home with a sleeve of tattoos. And my girlfriend said, holding her punch in her glass, Melissa, <laughs> have you seen her tattoos? Aren't they beautiful? And I said, they actually are very beautiful. She said, thank you, Miss Melissa. Every one of them means something. You ever known people that have a tattoo and they all mean something? She said, this one means this and this one means that. She said, Miss Melissa, if you were going to get one, what would it say? And I thought about all the tattoos my whole life that had covered my entire body of things that people said to me. And a lot of you are probably going, well, that's not really my story because I'm like, I never want to be on the stage, so I never really have to worry. What does the stage have to do with it? What about when your husband walked out and left you to raise kids? What did you etch on your frame? What about when you worked for the same company for 32 years and they passed over you in order to give that to someone else? What did you etch on your frame? Ladies, what about the fact that we hurt when we are stepped over and not invited or dismissed? And we etch those things on our skin and then we carry them around with us. And the problem with that is the more 
that we write those things on us, the more broken we become. And the more broken we become, the less interested people are in us because people just don't like things that are broken. Nobody ever really likes the broken ones. They like the put-together girls. Here's a story for that. Years ago, I was probably 12 years old, my mom and dad went to a furniture clearance store for a sale. And my mother came home with what we affectionately referred to as the Tinkerbell Mermaid Lamp. It was hideous. Mermaid Tinkerbell Rose Lamp. That's what we call it. The Mermaid Tinkerbell Rose Lamp. My dad bought it for my mother for $48. I said, Dad, why would you do such a thing, man? He said, I love her. What am I going to do? I love her. It was hideous. Let me tell you. The top of it was a rose petal like this. Then the light bulb came out of it. But at the bottom, when it should have been a stem, it turned into some kind of sicko mermaid thing with a head coming out of it. And then it went into some kind of fin that then turned into a root system. We should have dug a hole, threw it down it, and called it a witch. It was absolutely horrible. I wonder later if it wasn't pornographic. I'm not entirely sure. It was horrible. We should have charged people that came over to look at it. People would come over and they'd point at it and look at it. Her, her friends would be like, Larry, take a picture of me holding the lamp. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't understand it. My mother thought it was absolutely beautiful. And so years later, when David and I uh, moved, into, moved into Nashville in our first little town home there, what do you think showed up at my door wrapped in 10 pounds of bubble wrap? The mermaid Tinkerbell rose lamp. And I unwrapped it, and I sat it in my living room because it reminded me of my mama, not the mermaid part. I was going to say the ugly part, but that didn't sound good either. The weirdness of it all reminded me of home. And I sat it in my living room. People would come over and stare. Eventually, though, David and I decided to build our house. And when we did, you, you know how you do? You start moving furniture around and getting everything ready for boxes. And she ended up tossed in a corner where weird things go to die, especially when you're packing up a house. Y'all know what I'm talking about, where weird things go to die? Like she just sat there with like a stack of TV theme song DVDs, like why in the world did I ever buy those? And this really beautiful crystal bowl that my aunt bought me for my wedding, but my cat kept peeing in it, and we couldn't get her to stop. So that was sitting there. It was just weird, random things. And there she sat. And the more we moved and the more we packed boxes, the more she would get knocked over. And every time she'd get knocked over, a piece of her chipped off. And I would take all those pieces, and I would put them in a little baggie to save them because the, the memory of her meant a lot to me. And one day I said to David, David, please, take the mermaid Tinkerbell rose lamp somewhere and get her fixed. He said, where am I supposed to take her to? I said, I don't know. Take her to a craft store. F figure out, some, somebody will know how to, you know I'm not crafty. Somebody's going to figure it out. A couple of days went by. Eventually I saw her there again, leaning against the wall. The movers came. They packed up the house. They packed up the boxes. Everything was gone. I was making my last trip through and there sat five TV theme song DVDs a very smelly crystal bowl and the mermaid Tinkerbell rose lamp. I opened up a black garbage bag, shoved everything into it, and hauled it out to the dumpster and dumped it. Two weeks later, we're in our new home. Everything's going great, getting unpacked, and we get a phone call. Hi, is Mr. Radke there? I said, no, I'm so sorry he's not here. Could I take a message? This is Jim down at Leaper's Fork Antiques. Wanted to let him know. We actually found the instrument that it's going to take in order to fix the lamp. I said, he brought it in. Yeah, he brought it in. And, and uh, we didn't have anything to fix it at the time, but we found the instrument. It's going to take about $1,400 just to purchase the instrument. I said, well, you can forget that. He said, now, Ms. Radke, I know you'd say that, but just hear me out. The lamp itself is at a minimum $4,000. We've never seen anything like it. I was like, you're telling me. <laughs> he said, it's different than ever, anything we've ever seen. We tracked it over to a company in Italy. 
and it is at a minimum $4,000. We want to buy it from you, but we did not want to hold it until that had been, you know, we had made that transaction because it's, it's really valuable. Why do I tell you that story? Because we live in a world where people want to get their stuff at Target because it's super cute and 40% off. And everything looks the same. And then what happens to us women and us girls is we're mermaid Tinkerbell rose lamps. We're a little beaten up. You can't describe us. We don't fit like everybody else. We look a little bit differently. We wear things differently and we talk differently and we think creatively and outside the box and we don't parent like anybody else and we don't wife like anybody else. We don't raise our kids the same way. And we're battered and we bruised and maybe we've even sat in a corner for a really, really long time and nobody thought they could do anything with us until the fixer calls. And he says, I have exactly the instrument that you were looking for. I have exactly what you need. You didn't know how valuable you were, but I'm here now and you're worth more than you ever thought. I am not talking today to those who discarded. Woe to you who have tossed someone aside because they didn't quite get into formation and they didn't quite line up. I'm talking to the mermaid Tinkerbell rose lamps. Girl, you may be tattered and torn. You may have sat in a corner, but honey, you are still lighting it up. That's who I'm talking to today. Which brings me to the year of my 41st birthday. On that day, I sat out a pot roast and thawed it out, made it for myself. I put the tea in the glasses and set the table. I even went to the Lufkin Mall, to the cookie company, and bought my favorite cookie cake from a kid who had a name tag that said YOLO on it. I told him to write, happy birthday, Melissa, but he misspelled my name and it said, happy birthday, Melissa. Because that's just my life in a nutshell right there. And I took it home and I sat it on the table and that night my family came over. They just, my mom and dad just walked in the door without knocking because my mother thinks that doorbells are for Girl Scouts and Jehovah's Witnesses. And she just walked on in. They plopped down at the table and my dad said, whose birthday is it? I said, it's mine. And my family began to sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. And as I looked around the table, I looked at my mom saying, happy birthday to you. She was just pretending to sing. She was actually playing words with friends on her phone. <laughs> I looked at my dad who had completely forgotten it was my birthday, so he was going through his billfold to see if he could find anything in there for me. And he took out a $100 bill and he put it underneath my plate. And then my mom lifted up my plate and took the $100 bill out and put it in her purse. <clears throat> Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Dear Melissa. And I looked at David Radke who I had stolen from all the cheerleaders. <laughs> and my two precious children that sat on his lap. The two kids that I say are my purple hearts. They're the reward I got after the war. After 12 years of infertility, after having a son and losing a son, I sat at that birthday and I looked at those children. Happy birthday, dear Melissa. Happy birthday to you. And then I heard this. Blow out the candles, mama. Make a wish, mama. Don't tell us what you made. No, let her tell us what she made. No, Rocco. Nobody's supposed to tell what they made on their birthday. Yes, they can. If they're a mom, they can. And everybody was telling me what to do. And I thought to myself, first of all, I'm not going to make a wish, right? Because when we get to a certain age, we don't make wishes anymore. The last wish I made was when I was 16. And that was that my boobs would stop growing. And y'all see how that turned out. Okay, you're laughing too long, it's awkward. <laughs> Before I blew out the candle, I said, I'm gonna need one minute. 
And I walked to my bedroom and I picked up a journal beside my bed that I keep there. And this is what I wrote on that date. God, I'm giving 12 months of my life to being brave. That's it. 12 months. That is it. I will meet you back here one year from today. And if nothing came of it, fine. But for 12 months, I am going to do what Nashville said I should not do. And I am going to attempt what other people said a girl like me should never attempt. If it's scary, I'm going to do it. If it makes me nervous, I'm going to say it. If, it. if it is something that I thought, oh, no, 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 I, I can't do stuff like that. And I feel led by you, I'm going to do it. But for 12 months of my life, I'm going to live brave. And that's all I'm going to give it. After that, we'll see. But for 12 months, full out, I'm going to do it. Because here's the deal, God, and this is what I wrote. I got 12 months for that little girl to see her mama being brave. I only got 12 months. But at the end of her life, I do not want her to look back and see that my, her mom never tried. That her mom never attempted it. That when people told her, sit down, girl, you don't look like everybody else. That I just sat there. I refused to do it anymore. And I walked back out to that table, I blew those candles out, and I ripped up a piece of that cake with my bare hands. <laughs> and I shoved it in my mouth. And I'm going to tell you girls what, it wasn't clean eating, it was dirty. <laughs> dirty eating. It was high fructose corn syrup, baby. It wasn't dairy free or sugar free. And my mother looked at me and she said, Melissa Page, I hope you know these children are watching you. And I said, Mother, I hope they are. I hope they are. After that moment, I decided to give it 12 months. And here's what those 12 months looked like for me. I decided to start putting some videos on Facebook. That sounds ridiculous, I know. But when you have a face for radio, that's kind of scary. <laughs> And I decided to put videos on the internet. David said, I wish you'd do this. I think people would respond to you. I think they'd like you. It scared me to death, man. The third video I ever put up was called Red Ribbon Week. And it will go on my tombstone and it will be the saddest tombstone you've ever seen. And had I known that day that 140 million people would have watched that video, I would have worn a bra. <laughs> Y'all gonna go back and check that video out now, ain't you? <laughs> David Rackey filmed me from here up. I made other videos. I made one called Signs that they played on Today.com and Us Magazine talked about. And I, I did other videos about parenting and how I really just stunk at it. I made videos about my relationship with the Lord and how I keep messing up on that too. But I just talked honestly and openly and I was just me. And I made one called Eat Cake, Be Brave. And that one minute video that has been seen by two million people ended up on the desk of an editor at the second largest publishing company in the world, sent to her by a girlfriend. She called and asked for a meeting with me and within two days I was sitting across the table from a company who laid out the books of the authors that they had recently worked on. And I get choked up when I say this because the authors that they laid out were Gwyneth Paltrow and Chelsea Handler and Caitlyn Jenner. And I thought, but I'm a Christian. And they said, that intrigues us. But my faith, I'm, I'm going to share my faith. Yeah, we're curious about that. And they did not dissuade me. And I did not look like anybody laying on that table. And I just felt God say, are you scared? Terrified. Well, there you go. And now, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to take out your cell phones today. I want you to take them out. I know you have them. I watch you play on them every single week when Pastor Jeremy's preaching. <laughs> I want you to take out your cell phones right now, and I want you to text the word CAKE to 72000. This does not mean that you just purchased five books that will be coming to your house. Don't worry. Although that would be hilarious, but that's not what it is. 
If you text CAKE to 72000 for this book, this picture will come up right here. And it will just give you the option. We're just making it easier for you to pre-order. A pre-order blesses us, trust me, tremendously. And if you do that today through Books A Million or Indie Books or Amazon right there, um, then come out after service. Show us that you did that. I would love to sign a, a book plate for you. A book plate is like a sticky that you can peel off. And when your book comes in on the mail, you can stick it right there. And then you have a signed copy, which you can sell later on eBay for like $4. So see, everybody wins. There were other things God's asked me to do, but this was my dream. I feel like, with the exception of worshiping God for the rest of my life, that I was born to do this. Then, oh, thank you. The next thing that God said, well, you're walking. Okay, okay. I, I can say that I can trust you a little more. I'm going to trust you with this. And the next thing that happened was to me not the most important thing. It wasn't the cake. It was just a silly little cherry on the top, and it's this right here. In May, we sat around the table, my husband and my kids, and we signed a contract with a large network for a show coming soon to you called Leave It, Melissa, Leave it to Melissa. That's my son's behind <laughs> up in my face. If it's any consolation, they actually never said, hey, Radke's posed this way. That's just, that's just a Tuesday. That's just a Tuesday in our house. You can take that down. Please take that down. My mother thought social media was going to be the, devise, the, the demise of the world. But then that's coming to your TV near you. So <laughs> what does she know? Let me tell you something. If that show doesn't happen, who cares? Who cares? I am traveling the world. I am being brave and courageous with God. It has been the most exciting two years of my entire life. But if it happens, my friends, if it happens, I'm going to tell you like I told God in my personal time. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to change it. I don't look like anybody in Hollywood. And I'm going to change the world for you, God, if it's the last thing I do. The other day, we were reading in the story with our children, the little children's book, the story. It was talking about King David, the king who had it all. It goes into the story of Solomon, of course, but it began with King David. What a great king he was. People loved him. He ruled fairly and justly, and he was loved all over the land. And then it goes into the story of Solomon, his son. And in that book, this was the words that it said. And King David, after he reigned and ruled, he passed down his leadership to his son. But Solomon, dot, dot, dot. And it was those two words that stood out to me but Solomon. And what it meant to me was this, and this is for all of the women in the room. What it meant to me, it reminded me of a couple of weeks ago when I did a panel. I was, I was speaking somewhere and I did a panel. I chose to do a panel um, with my mom, my Aunt Melba, my cousin Meredith, and my granny based off of a chapter in this book called Chicken Fried Women. That's what I call them. They are my chicken fried women. They are women who have been battered and bruised on the outside, but are tender and a little bit spicy on the inside. And I wrote a chapter on what it's like being raised by women like that. But the moderator asked this question to me and Meredith. She said, what do you hope to pass down to your daughters being raised in a family like this? And Meredith and I were quick to answer about all the wonderful things. But then she said, what do you hope you don't pass down? And we were also quick to answer that. And it's this right here. That generation of women feel like they should, they should conceal, they should hide, they should not talk about what has happened to them, and they should hide their scars and their wounds. But Meredith and I, we know that vulnerability is our biggest strength. I'm not going to hide my tattoos. I've changed them to what God said about me. And every scar I have tells a story, ladies, and so do yours.
And do you know that when you bring those things out into the open, do you know what happens? They have no more hold on you. And here's the deal. If the book fails and nobody watches the show, who cares? I just came to this moment in my life so that I could look at you and say, I want you to live a life and live it so abundantly, a full life. Being brave is not about scaling Everest or jumping out of planes. It is about living life and living it abundantly. And so when I read the words, but Solomon, I thought of us. I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to be true. I'm going to tell the truth of what's hard. I'm going to tell the truth about what they said about me, how I looked, how they didn't like it. Because every time I do, it heals someone else and it heals me a little bit more. Those are the things I want to write on me. And maybe Solomon was the most wisest man in the land because he wrote in Proverbs 7:3, to etch it on your hand and write it on the chambers of your heart. That is the tattoo that I am choosing today. Can I pray for you all? God, I pray for every woman in this room, whether she has had children or is about to have children, whether they're in her future or they're way off in the future, God. Maybe she's raised them and they're grown. I'm talking to her. I'm talking to every female in this room that she would know that the fixer called He's got exactly what is needed to heal her. She does not have to live broken. She can still light it up. The world may call her broken, but God, you call her beautiful. The world may call her too big and too much, but you call her holy and chosen. And I pray that every woman in this room would choose to live a life in you that is bold and brave and courageous because when you gave us life you did it so that it would be so stinking good and I pray that for every woman here in Jesus name amen and may I just say to you all today thank you for being here and here's what I wish until we meet back again that you would be brave that you would eat cake but not the crappy kind like carrot real cake thanks guys Jesus, I pray over the Radke family and uh, with every opportunity, uh, the old pastor said, with every new level, there's another devil. Uh, Lord, with every new opportunity, there's going to come opposition. There's going to come challenges. Uh, there's going to be an opportunity to, to sell out. But God, I know that you've called her for a specific time, a specific purpose. God, I thank you for the platform you're creating for her, that through wounds, there's a platform for not only her healing, but for others. We bless her in Jesus' name. Amen.